tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. As any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, well, a radio hello, show called hello. Father Simon Says <laughs> oh, hello. on Relevant Radio. Where, what, who... Now I can talk, right? Uh, hello. Earth Earth to Relevant Radio. Earth to Relevant Radio. That was a that was a shocking start. Yeah, it was a shocking start. I'm easily shocked at any rate and appalled. I think we need to pray. That was that was we're off. Well, I, I we got an excuse. We're all real excited here at Relevant Radio. The chapel is the what? Oh, too, too loud. What? The, 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 the voice in my head is making strange signs at me through the glass, but uh, let me take a deep breath and start again. Welcome, Father Simon Says, a show that, as my former deacon said, is untouched by professionalism. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God cast into hell, Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let's open the big book on the coffee table and see if I can digress coherently. This is Isaiah, the 26th chapter, the first verse to the sixth. These are the readings for the day. And I may just just cheat and look at them. I want to look at the. I, I, I read the St. Ambrose readings when I said Mass this morning. And there's some neat stuff in there. Um, just very interestingly, uh, Paul is writing in his letter to the Ephesians. Now, these are the readings for the Feast of St. Ambrose, a doctor of the church. Doctor does not mean we go to St. Ambrose with our boo-boos, though we can. It means teacher. The word doctor in Latin means teacher. Docere is to teach. So a doctor is a teacher, and he's a teacher of the church. So Paul says, To me, the very least of the holy ones, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the inscrutable riches of Christ and to bring to light for all what is the plan of the mystery. Now remember, mystery in Greek means secret. It doesn't mean who done it, the butler done it, or I don't know. It's not something ununderstandable. It's something secret. A thing whispered, the plan of the mystery hidden from ages in the past so that the manifold wisdom of God, manifold is not part of a car here, it's, it's, uh, it's the, many, the many splendor, the, many, the diverse wisdom of God might, yeah, yeah, for love is a many splendor thing, he just whispered, whispered in my ears. Oh, I came to hear that music coming up. Okay, so that the manifold might now be made known through the church to the principalities and authorities in the heavens. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you notice that? 
that, that all this stuff, he's preaching to the Gentiles, the inscrutable riches of Christ. He's bringing to light the plan of the mysteries, telling the Gentiles this. He's bringing the Gentiles, the non-Jews, into the church so that the wisdom of God could be made known through the church huh. to the principalities and authorities in heaven. What? The wisdom of God is being revealed to the, the, the heavenly powers, the principalities and authorities in the heavens, through the church. In other words, now, by the church, of course, we mean, you know, guys with the black shirts and the little plastic collars and the guys in Rome who who walked down to, is it the Via, Via, Via Corso? They walked down, what's the that main street right in front of... Uh, Right in front of um, the the St. Peter's. Via Conciliazione. Via Conciliazione. Yeah, these guys, you go to Via Conciliazione, you sit there and get a cappuccino and watch these guys walking with their briefcases down to the offices in the Vatican. They look like they've been sucking on a, ha- a lemon for half an hour. It's an you expensive know. cappuccino to get one right by I Saint know, Peter's. but the show is great. Well, moving along. <laughs> the uh, You know, that's not the church. The church is the entire people of God and the very necessary function in this world of the clergy is an essential part of the church. But you mustn't think, well, you know what the church should do? I've told you this before. When people say the church should do this, they don't understand the church. If they say the church we, well, they're getting closer. They say the church she, well, then they understand the church. The church is a bride, a mother, a wife, a family. And we are part of that, that body uh, which is the church. So the way you live today, you, you know, who am I? Nobody. Well, we're going to get to the nobodiness later. Uh, the nobodiness is real important here. Um, the You, in what you do today, the kindness you show, the fidelity you have to this, this wonderful secret of the plan of God, that God is love, angels and devils are going to be watching you. And through your conduct and your your life today, you will reveal to heavenly powers this secret of God that they don't understand. If the devil understood the secret of God, he, he wouldn't be the devil. And the angels are trusting God in faith, and it's through the bride of Christ, of which we are part, that, that this, this secret of God... The secret of who God really is is being revealed to them also. That's why I'm so obnoxious about talking about the kingdom of God. And I always insist that the word basilea does not mean, oh, here we go with the kingdom again. Well, I'll be brief. The kingdom of God is not a political system or a geographic territory. The, the word basilea means God's royal nature. That in Christ, God's royalty was revealed. The kingship of God is revealed in the person of Jesus on the cross. And it's revealed in your life. The morning offering, O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings this day in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Angels are watching you to see what God is like. What are you going to do today? <laughs> you, you're going to be a good a good teacher on this feast of St. Ambrose? You're going to be an angel? So that's what God is like? No, 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 not this one. Look at the other one. This, this reading is amazing. Ephesians, the third chapter, 
the eighth verse and following. All right, having read that, let's go to the readings uh, that are for the, the, the feast day. Okay, come on. Okay, I, I want, where'd I go? Where'd I go? How, where I lost them. I always lose something. Okay, I want to, okay. Good grief. Amen. I want to get the daily readings. I think I'm just going to have to go back to do not go pass. Go all the way up go. to the top of your screen. Yes, oh, there's the daily reading. Okay, we got it. All right, I found it. Ah. This is part ah, Bible okay, study, part tech lesson. Okay, yes, it's... I, Oh, if you'd not, the last day of your life, you got to be learning, especially these days. Isaiah, the 26th chapter. This is funny. A strong city, have we? It sounds like Yoda from Star Wars. We have a strong city. He sets up walls and ramparts. Uh, open up the gates to let in a nation that is just. And again, I, I think I'm right about this. Pondered it for a long time. But in, in the Hebrew sense, uh, justice, it's almost the same word as charity. That justice is defined as right relationship to God and right relationship to our neighbor. And it involves mercy and generosity and forgiveness as well as fairness as well as truth. All those things meet in, in the virtue of, 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 of justice. So um, we move on. And now this, is, I, this relates uh, to uh, the gospel reading. The Lord is an eternal rock. He humbles those in high places. Uh, and and uh, brings down the lofty city. He brings down, again, Yoda talk. He brings down the lofty city. Let's go to the gospel. This is Matthew, the seventh chapter, the 21st verse, uh, and then there's a gap to the 24th verse. But I will look at the whole schmear. Um, the, the tw- where did the 21st verse go? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do, do. <laughs> that, 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 that's a verb in Greek that means do. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Well, you don't need works for salvation. I think Jesus was of a different opinion than that. You must do the will of the Heavenly Father. Now, we don't, we're, we don't believe we're saved by good works, but we're saved by the good works that he's prepared for us. In other words, obedience to the will of God is salvific. Uh, you know, if I say, I, I trust you, but I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. But you can trust me. Do this. It'll be good for you. Uh-uh, and I'm not going to. I trust you, but I'm no, I'm not. Unless I obey my father, I don't trust him. I don't want you touching that. Yes, Papa, I won't. Dad leaves the room and says, he doesn't want me touching it. It must be good. <laughs> you follow? To do the will of your father in heaven is salvific because he means it for your good. And if you disobey the will of your Father in heaven, you're not trusting him. That's why you don't obey. If your Father in heaven says, don't touch that, it's, it's, it's poisonous. And you say, when he's gone, when he's not looking, I'm going to, mm, you're going to die. You follow? Those people who say you need do nothing. Oh, yes, you need do, you need obey your heavenly Father when he asks you to do something or not to do something. Okay, many will say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Will we not drive out demons in your name? Those are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Most people call them gifts. But, you know, do you know a ministry by its, by its gifts? Oh, there's a powerful healing ministry there. I'm going to go to that church because people are getting healed. Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them, not by their gifts, by their manifestations. Miracles. 
I always tell you, do not make faith. Faith makes miracles. You go chasing miracles, you're doing it wrong. Bible says signs and wonders follow those who believed, not those who believe follow signs and wonders. Different. Okay. He will de- declare to them solemnly, I never knew you. Depart from me, evildoers. So, so much for salvation by faith, so-called faith alone. If you have faith, you're going to do something. Well, let's let's uh, look at the at the at the second part of this gospel, the 24th verse. Everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like an acts, <laughs> acts on them. There we go with more doing. Uh, will be like a man who built his house on rock. Now we mentioned that the Lord is our rock in the first reading. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and buffeted the house, but it did not collapse. It had been sol- set solidly on rock. Uh, <clears throat> But the fool, anyone who doesn't uh, listen to these words and act on them, will be like a fool who built his house on sand. Isn't that interesting? Uh, that that I don't think he uses the word uh, raka uh, here at all. He's using uh, the Greek text. I think that I, maybe I'll look it up during the break. But it's afron, someone who is who is not paying attention, basically the senseless person. So to believe in. That 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 what you do is unimportant to your salvation is foolish. Jesus calls people who don't act on what he said. He calls them fools. So much again for faith alone. Who built his house on sand? Now the rains came, the floods came, and that house was. The winds blew and buffeted the house, and it collapsed and was completely ruined. Jesus is talking about a very specific thing. There are these river valleys, which uh, sophisticated Bible scholars translate as wadis. That's the Arabic word for a a gulch. I suppose wadi sounds better than gulch. Not much, I don't think. But they're gulches. You know what a gulch is? It's a dried-out riverbed, and there's sand on the bottom. And when things are dry, it's the last place where there's green. Down there in the gulch. I'm a shepherd. I'm a lazy shepherd. I got sheep. And where am I going to bring the sheep when it's when when it's dry? Down into the gulch because that's where the green is. I need to build a house to live in. Oh, way up there on the on the cliff. I'm not building up there. I'm building down here. I'm not going to walk the sheep up and down and up and down. It's just too much work. Well, you know what? If you build your house down in the gulch, the darndest thing happens in, in the Middle East or anywhere where there's a gulch. There might be a, 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 a gully washer. <laughs> That's another word, a gully. There might be a gully washer up in the mountains, and you're looking at a cloudless sky, uh, blue skies, bright sun, but it has rained up in the mountains, and a wall of water comes rushing down the gulch and sweeps you, your house, and your sheep away because you're too stupid to build up on the rock. Oh, it's inconvenient. It's not convenient to, to live up there and have, you know, I don't want to commute to work. I, you know, the, the sheep, they're fine down here. I'm fine down here. It's not going to rain. Oh, it's going to rain. Believe me, it's going to rain. If you settle for convenience, you are going to be swept away. If you have a religion of convenience, a religion of convenience. Well, I believe that, but I don't believe that. I don't agree with the church there. I mean, a church should mind its own business. What does it have to say about these things? It should mind its own business. The church. Oh, we're the church. And uh, 
we need to obey the Lord because he's told us how to build our house in a way that it won't be swept away. We can save our sheep and our lives and our house. A religion of convenience right down there in the gully where it's easy to feed the sheep and I don't have to work, I don't have to do a lot. Believe me, if you are a Catholic who is paying attention, we don't have a religion of convenience. I find Catholicism very inconvenient. And boy, do I need Catholicism constantly telling me the hard truth because it's what Jesus did. You know, it's kind of funny. The devil will tell you a pleasant lie, and a good lie always has a little truth in it. In my long life, I have never been told a lie by Christ. If it's been genuinely Christ in the scriptures or in, in the other ways that he speaks, um, he's always told the truth, even when it's a hard truth. Jesus has never lied to me, and Jesus will never lie to you. Let's go to a break. We will uh, look at some letters, and then we will uh, uh, open the phones. The phones are open at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Religion of convenience, not a good idea. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester. An Illinois Life Insurance Society not available in all states. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. Because no matter how far away you roam, how far away I roam. I don't roam much these days. I miss my pillow and my blankie too much. Well, that said, the phones are open at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. And let us now go to letters. Um, let's see here. Uh, uh, this is from Dan. How come David was punished for conducting a census? Well, let us let us uh, bring. Uh, let's see. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll I'll explain. I'm reading the the PS here. This is uh, uh, repeated greatly uh, in Second Samuel twenty four one. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel when He incited David against them. <laughs> I mean, this is really something. We read in, in uh, First Chronicles uh, 21.1, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. So what's wrong with a census? I got a theory about David. David was a man after God's own heart. Let's look at David. David was not the kind of person you'd want to bring home to Mama. David um, ran a protection business. Uh, he, he was about to kill Nabal when, uh, when uh, Nabal's wife, I can't think of her name, a lovely woman, uh, said, you idiot, Nabal is close to the Jewish word, or the Hebrew word for fool. And she said, you, your name is well-deserved. Don't you know that the, uh, um, this is David and his men, and he's, he's, he's shaking down everybody in the neighborhood? And uh, she packed a couple donkey loads up with food for the troops and went down. 
And David said, it's good you came down. I was just on my way up to kill your husband. And, uh, uh, well, uh, she goes back and tells us Naval promptly has a heart attack, and then David marries her, <laughs> and he, she joins his harem. So that's David. Uh, David, uh, <clears throat> and I don't want to go, this is a family show, so I don't want to go into that uh, disreputable uh, incident with Bathsheba in which um, uh, I, I do not believe that Bathsheba's participation uh, in the event was a matter of free will on her part. Some police show up at your door and knock on the door and say, His Majesty would like a few moments of your time. Please come with us. I don't think that was free will. And, uh, of course, then there was m- cover-up and murder. So that's David. How can David be a man after God's own heart? When the prophet came in and said, told him a story about a guy who had a big flock and robbed a poor man's one sheep and, and ate it, David said, who is this guy? I'll kill him. Well, he said, you're the man. You have this harem, and you stole Uriah the Hittite's wife, Bathsheba, and killed him doing it. And David, instead of take this prophet out and have him shot, because, uh, uh, you know, that uh, um, David thought that the cover-up had been complete, instead of saying, take this prophet out and have him shot, He said, I've sinned, and wrote the 51st Psalm, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. David was a man after God's own heart because he could repent. Samuel, or Saul rather, couldn't repent. When when, when the prophet Samuel came to him and said that the crown is being taken from you because you disobeyed God, you know, Saul was getting anxious and he he sacrificed, uh, uh, he, he offered sacrifice when it wasn't his role as king. And then worse than that, the Lord had told him to eliminate the Amalekites, and he brought the king back and the best of the cattle, and he was going to sacrifice them in his capital. He was obeying God, and he thought he was obeying God. The prophet says, why have you disobeyed the Lord? He said, I've obeyed the Lord. <laughs> you were told to eliminate Amalekites, even their cattle, to take no spoils from the battle. So what is this sound of, of bleating of sheep and all that I hear in my ears? And because of this, you've lost the crown. And Saul's response was, let's cover it up until I, 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 can, I can straighten this thing out. Don't let the people know. Uh, David was, the prophet's right, I repent. Saul's was, let's, let's, let's hush this up. So, very interesting difference. So, David was a dicey character. And I, now this is the, I'm going long on this, but I, this is one of my harebrained theories, and that's what I enjoy most. Um, <clears throat> David brought the Ark of the Covenant, the, the symbol of God's relationship to the nation, the place, the, the object that was to underpin God's presence with the people. And David, how noble of him. He found a new capital, Jerusalem, which was not in the territory of Benjamin in, in the south, nor in the, in the ter- or not in the territory of Judah in the south, nor Benjamin in the north. It was, it, was, it was a neutral capital, and he established his new capital there to unite the tribes of Israel. And he thought that, that he would bring this sacred object to Jerusalem after it had been lost to the Philistines and, and had, the Lord had miraculously brought the ark back into Israel. How wonderful of David to bring the ark in. I don't think so. He got to the house of Obed-Edom and, uh, and uh, one of his officers uh, steadied the ark as it was falling off the cart and he, was, he, he dropped dead. 
that's not very nice of God. Oh, God was making a point because, you see, God had created a separation of power. Kings were not priests and priests were not kings. Priests came from the tribe of Levi, kings from the tribe of Judah. And there was no priest king in Israel until Jesus the Messiah. So David was arrogating religious control to himself and not leaving it where God had put it with the, the priestly clan. And the death of, of this soldier who tried to steady the ark, tried to do a good thing, reminded David, this is a powerful thing. Don't mess with it. So he left it there when, when um, uh, I think it's Obed-Edom, uh, the, the, um, when God prospered, David realized now he could take the Ark of the Covenant up. He learned his lesson. So David was always doing these dicey things. What about the question? Why the census? Well, David, he learned his lessons, but he seemed to forget them quickly. He didn't need to, to why did you take why do you take censuses for military and and uh, economic purposes you can tax the people and you can draft the people and David had, been, had had relied on God to win the battle when he was young now he was a king and he needed to know what resources were at his disposal the only resource he needed was the Lord and so when he took a census of the people God, God let him know he was he was irrigating a kingship to himself which belonged to God alone, and so God smote David. No, he didn't. He smote the people, and thousands are dying. And David, David, when he sees this, uh, the prophet comes in and he says, uh, "You got three options. God will lift the plague if." Uh, uh, you know, you'll have to flee from your enemies. I forget what the three options were, you know, but, but David said, let me, let me think. And then David repented again. He said, these people are innocent. It's my fault. Smite me. He repented again. And he saw an angel standing over the highest place just north of the walls of the old city of Jerusalem, the threshing floor of Arauna the Jebusite. He saw the angel on that threshing floor and he realized that was the place to build the Holy of Holies to, to keep the ark. He went and bought the threshing field from, from Arauna. So this is, this is the story of David. He was angry with David. The Lord was angry with David because he, he was trying to be a king like kings of the world and not a king like our king, Jesus Christ. That's the answer to it. What time is it? Let me look at my—I think, oh, gosh, I—, I I just think that that's an important story. Oh, good grief. Oh, I have a watch. I can look at the watch. Okay. Let me do one more letter. Okay. Moving up. Oh, say, oh, there's a clock on the wall that's being pointed out to me by my untouched by professionalism. Moving along. This is a letter about the readings. This is from Robert in McAllen, Texas. The other day you mentioned that if you were to read all the readings of A, B, and C, you will have read the entire Bible. This has been a fiction that should not be repeated. There are varying estimates of the, some liturgists say only 65% of the Bible is covered with the new lectionary, but I'm relying on Catholic Answers that states... 13.5% uh, of the Old Testament, 549 of the non-gospel New Testament, 89.8% uh, um, of the Gospels, 71.5%. So uh, uh, the, the, um, even the Jesuits say it's not quite a whole tamale. Uh, the, uh, I stand properly reprimanded, Robert. 
You just read a whole lot of the Bible, not the entire thing. All right, let's take a break, and we'll come back with uh, the word of the day. Is that where we are, the word of the day? And phone calls at 888-914-9149. I'm just all excited in the Twitter because the chapel has finally done at Relevant Radio. Thank you, Lord. Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. I'm a union man, and I work only 16 hours a day. A union man only works eight hours a day. I belong to two unions. If you have real estate or land you no longer need, consider the advantages of donating it to Relevant Radio. The process is easy, and the tax advantages can be huge. Learn more at relevantradio.com slash property. Drop kick me Jesus through the goalposts of life. End over end, neither left nor to right. Straight through the heart. One of the classics of country music. Drop kick me Jesus through the goalposts of life. <laughs> That's kind of the way he does it. Drop kicking you through the gold place, uh, the go, the who's he, what's he's of life. Okay, let's go to the word of the day. I want to go back to that that uh, um, section of um, Romans twelve sixteen. You know that that uh, uh, associate. I, I, I why am I'm trying to figure out why I want to do this one, but I really do. Uh, let me look here. At the, well, no, I'll just I'll just charge ahead. Romans twelve sixteen, in which Saint Paul tells us that we should associate with the lowly. Very interesting. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You know, this is maybe I'm interested in this because it's one of my favorite words in Greek, and it's the word that Jesus applies to himself. When he says, I am meek and humble of heart, and the Blessed Mother applies to herself when she talks about the lowliness of, of your handmaid um, in the Magnificat. The, the word is um, uh, tapenos, which I'm sure all of you know because I talk about it a lot. But what it really means is undistinguished. Associate with people who aren't important, at least in the eyes of the world, because they're important in the eyes of God. Associate, you know, earlier when I talked about that reading from from Saint, uh, the readings for Saint Ambrose from Ephesians, there, to think that the angels are looking at you, who me? Yeah, angels are are studying you to learn about God. That's I believe that's what that passage says. Me, I'm nobody. That's why they're interested in you, because you know they're not interested in the great and the important, the self-important. They're not interested in that. They're interested in you. And your daily, your daily life, how you conduct yourself. Because by seeing what you do, they're going to learn the nature of God, which has not been revealed to them in the way it's been revealed to us through Christ on the cross. So associate with people who are unimportant. And uh, there's a great word here, which I want to make the word of the day. Uh, let me translate this as close, as, as primitively as I can. Uh, um Consider the same thing for one another. You know, don't, don't, don't focus. This is the word for, well, have in mind. Don't focus on, on and the word, it's a cool word in Greek, hypsala. <laughs> hypsala, it means uh, lofty, high things, you know, that, uh, uh, um, 
don't focus on things that are lofty. You know, associate with with people who, well, the world doesn't think is important. Uh, I think this is 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 wonderful. Uh, um, Jesus associated with the unimportant people, and I just want to. Oh, good, good grief! Here we go. I just want to point out, as I pointed out before, that that the word for love in the New Testament is all but maybe ten times, um, if that. Uh, agape, which means sacrificial love. It means love that hopes for no return. Except when it talks about the love of money. That's a fascinating We use the word philia, which means mutual affection, friendship. And I think it's interesting that, that uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that. It says friendship with money is the root of all evil, which I think is interesting. Friendship with money. Uh, when you gauge things by their price tag— um, instead of by the sacrifice involved, you're in trouble. And this is this is what Jesus is saying. You know, you shouldn't want to sit at the cool kids' table. That's what this is. You know, you shouldn't want to sit at the cool kids' table. Find a table with the kids with the pocket protectors and the people with the the shirts that don't seem to match the pants, sit there. Those are the people God's interested in. Those are the people the angels are studying, not the cool kids' table. They don't need to be studied. They know all that they need to know. But moving along here, let us go to phones. You know, I'd be lost without a telephone. Hey, don't go away. I want to talk to you. Well, I know they won't. Steve, what can I do for you from Westchester? Hello, Father. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I am a big fan of your harebrained ideas or, <laughs> or theories, as you as you put it. <laughs> Take them with a grain of salt. Remember. <laughs> so I, I I was thinking recently, um, and I don't know. I, I thought you'd be the you came to mind. You were the first one to come, oh dear. to come to mind with this question. At what point in time do you think the devil realized that he lost? I have heard people who know about these things, I think I've heard this from exorcists, that the devil isn't convinced yet that he's lost. He still thinks he can win. That's creepy, isn't it? Well, we don't have to be afraid of him. Greater is he that is in us, I always say. But yeah, the devil doesn't realize he's lost. Now, I've heard stories of great mystics who the devil has said to them, why are you blaming us for everything? Since Christ, we're powerless. But I've heard other other say, well, he may have thought that, but then he gets right back up and he's like the little kid who, who uh, uh, dad says, sit down. He won't sit down, you know, that he keeps getting up. Well, you know, that, that's interesting. In the scriptures you read that, 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 uh, that the devil is subjected to Christ at the end of all things. And the last thing to be subjected is death. And I think that's the subjugation of the devil. But um, I think that's kind of interesting, that, that possibility. Uh, you know, if screw tape letters, which I talk about too much, and I, I recommend everyone not only read it but listen to it. You can get it read on YouTube by John Cleese of Monty Python and A Fish Called Wanda. It's masterful. It's wonderful acted out. But um, the, the, the devil, he makes the devil say that he wasn't thrown out of heaven. He left along with his followers because he wasn't going to put up with that incarnation nonsense. So, you know, the devil the devil has got good spin for himself, I think. So I don't know. That's one theory. So I don't know if that answers your question. Well, that helps. It, it continues the, the conversation. So yeah. thank you for your insight. 
Well, they're not mine. I stole them from C.S. Lewis and from Exorcist. I know. <laughs> All right. God bless, Stephen. I'm, I'm honored that you listen. Have a wonderful Christmas. Helen. You too, yeah, God bless. Helen from Burnsville, Maine. Or is that Minnesota? No, it's Minnesota, not Maine. Minnesota. I lost my glasses. Hey. I don't know if Maine, Minnesota, but it's Minnesota. So a, a lovely state. What can I do for you, Helen? Hi. I had heard that um, in order for a rabbi to preach in the synagogue in the first century, the rabbi had to be married and have at least one child. Hmm. And therefore, if Jesus was preaching in the synagogue as a rabbi, he had to have been married and have a child. I've never heard that. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, let me let me just look at some stuff here. Um, it uh, there's the music here. You know, I don't think I need to worry about it too much because you have to understand that there was a large movement which honored celibacy, the Essenes. And they certainly had rabbis among the Essenes who would not, and they respected celibacy. There's a lot of people who say there was no celibacy uh, in Judaism. There most certainly was. Uh, you know, that... That, um, Jesus, that makes a whole lot of sense yeah. because I'd forgotten about the Essenes. Essenes. I mean, John the Baptist may or may not have been an Essene. There's a theory that he was a fellow who'd been kicked out of the Essenes uh, because he was too nice to Gentiles. There's That's an interesting theory. Wonderful book on the Essenes by Dr. John Bergsma. It's wonderful. Uh, what he writes about, he really knows this stuff. But um, no, John the Baptist was clearly unmarried, and um, and he preached. Uh, not necessarily in a synagogue, but no, I, I, there were there were there were there was respect for celibacy in Judaism of the first century. Not universal respect, but it was there. So I, I think that, that, you know, these are people who just want to point out that Jesus was married and, you know, and Jesus right. wasn't all that. Ignore them. He was clearly not married. Um, or his his wife and kids would have wanted to run the church, and they didn't. It was bad enough his relatives right. wanted to run it. So there you go. Well, thanks, Thank Helen. That's, that's how Thank I would approach you. that. God bless. Let's go to John. John, what can I do for you? Uh, yes. Hi, Father Simon. I uh, had a question about the Mass obligation uh, for the fourth Sunday of Advent and for Christmas because they're so close yes. in proximity there. And uh, the parish that I attend, they uh, handed out uh, Mass cards uh, last uh, weekend that show for the fourth Sunday of Advent, we have a vigil Mass at 5 p.m. on yes. Saturday that weekend, and then a Sunday morning Mass at 7.30 yes. on the morning of Christmas Eve. And then if that it goes to Christmas masses, and it has three masses for Christmas Eve, four, six, ten p.m. And then below that, it uh, states uh, fulfill Sunday Mass obligation. And then there's two masses on Monday, Christmas Day, eight a.m. and ten a.m. And I was confused by that. It was seeming like you could go to just one mass on Christmas Eve that they have, and that would fulfill your entire obligation. So I called the parish office, spoke with. Uh, a gal there uh, in the administrative area, I believe, and she said that, yes, if you went to one of those masses on Christmas Eve, 4, 6, 10 p.m., that fulfilled everything. But if you did any other combination in so many words, you would have to go to two masses. And I said, did that come from the Diocese of Joliet? And she says, no, not that I know of. That was from the pastor. And so I just would like to get your 
uh, opinion or your understanding of that, please. Well, that no pastor, way, Jose. No, that that was just thrown in by the voice in my head. Do you want to jump onto your voice in my head? Yeah. Oh, no, I was just. Yeah, I know. He's just sitting there shaking his head. No, no, you have a, for major feasts, you know, for feasts that are local uh, or, or, or not major, uh, the day of obligation, uh, you know, it's gotten very confusing, but the obligation is mitigated uh, when, like, the feast is on uh, uh, a Monday and you go to Mass on Sunday. That is not true of Christmas. You you have an obligation to go to Mass on the Sunday of the week and on Christmas Day. And that idea that one Mass would cover both but other Masses would not, that's that's outlandish to me. I, if I'm wrong, please, I would like someone who knows to correct me. But no, you, you have an obligation to, to go to, to Sunday Mass and to Christmas Day Mass. Uh, and... and this idea that well, I, oh yeah, I want to celebrate Christ's birth by making it easier. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to put myself out to celebrate Jesus' birthday. I mean, the very attitude is 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 well, it's with, I want to be with the family. Yeah, be with the family in church, but no, you know, the the Sunday Mass, even if it is the Vigil Mass of Christmas or something, does not fulfill the obligation to the best of my knowledge. So your instincts, John, I think were quite correct to realize this is all higgledy piggledy. Does that help a little? Yeah, it, it does. I think I'll just plan on, I'm, I'm going to go to two masses that weekend. And uh, not that I was looking for a one mass no, install, I, but if that's what the bishop said we could do in the diocese. and I don't think the bishop said that. that. But, but right, that I don't know. And I didn't speak with the pastor directly. I spoke with someone in the parish office and I questioned the person twice and she said that that was his interpretation of it, his being the, the pastor. I don't want to name any names. I just no, no, trying no, no, to, to get, you didn't. You know, yeah, to, yeah, I'm sure he's a good guy. It, so to speak. You know, you might want to call the chancery office in the diocese just to make sure I'm not wrong, you know? Okay. I just but got pointed out how I got wrong. I just got my clock no, cleaned I, I, about I, how, many, how, how much the Bible gets read. <laughs> a lot. But... Um, yeah, I, I would call the chancery, and uh, and this, so then I would call them back and say they have misinformed uh, their congregation if if they in fact have. So uh, you know that's you know uh, that's kind of hinky. Well, thanks for calling yeah, yeah, in, yeah. and and again, well, if there's if there's anybody out there listening that knows some obscure canon law about which I am uninformed, please let me know. Let's go to Richard, who's calling in from Monterey Park, California. Richard, yes, what? Uh, Father, yes, yes. Father, I have a, a kind of a bizarre question. Oh, the best kind. <laughs> Go on. Um, if the if the demons and the devil are are very smart, and they knew by their decision <clears throat> that there would be consequences forever, they knew that it would be forever. There would be no change. Why would they choose that over? what the good angels did. Well, you know, I, we ascribe too much to the devil in a way. The devil is not omniscient. The devil doesn't know anything that God is not pleased to allow him to. That's the thing about angels. Angels <clears throat> only know what God is pleased to reveal to them. And even Jesus said that, you know, this, uh, such and such a thing is unknown to anyone, including the Son of Man, it's known to the Father alone. Well, if Jesus is God, how could he not know something? In his perfect humanity, 
you know, he laid the rights and prerogatives and privileges of his divinity on the heavenly throne and became a human being like us in all things but sin. And he was his his humanity was the perfect humanity of Adam, but he was still he was still aware only of the things the Father was pleased to tell him. He, so much more so the angels. The angels are not omniscient. They don't know everything. And they don't know what you're, you're thinking unless God allows them to know it. Um, they don't know the future unless God allows them to see it. Um, they're, they're pretty good at the past because, well, they've been there forever. But, you know, this idea that the devil is all-powerful and all-knowing, he's not. So um, uh, God created a situation in which the devils, who were angels at the time, had to trust him and obey him, and they refused does that help a little bit? Oh, that helps a lot, Father. Thank you so much. Well, God bless. I appreciate your insight. Thank you, and I'm honored that you listen. Let's go to Ben from from Shakopee, Minnesota. What can I do? Did I say the word right, Shakopee? You did, Father, oh, boy. and I'm honored. Um, well, what when me. God um, said when God said, um, "I will not forgive." Um, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Would yes. you elaborate on that? Yes, it's really very simple because if you understand what the word blasphemy in Greek, of course, you know, they used to say, what is it, politics is the last the refuge of the charlatan. No, no, the Greek translation is <laughs> moving along. If you understand what forgive is in Greek, it makes much more sense. Forgive means to let go. Apiemi means literally to let it go. And there are certain sins, uh, if we refuse to trust God, if we refuse God's grace, God, in a sense, chooses to not be able to let that go. Only I can let it go. You know, uh, that's in the context. People came up and said, you know, this Jesus fellow, you know, Jesus, we're from God. Uh, if you were from God, you'd look like us. So you must not be from God. You know, the sin against the Spirit is to refuse to believe that the Holy Spirit will do something in a way that you would not do it. It's to know more. It's to be to know more than God allows you to know. In a sense, that that uh, um, the I got a great a great. I, I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. That um, you know, I'm going to teach everybody how to catch monkeys. I don't know what you why you want to catch one. They bite. But if you need to catch monkeys, go to where monkeys are and go to a clearing in the forest and put a narrow neck jar that's weighted with some rocks in the bottom in the clearing. And it's got to be a narrow neck jar, though, because if you and you put into the jar things that monkeys like, like fruits and bananas and nuts and a monkey. And then you just hide behind a bush with your monkey bopper and just wait, and soon a monkey will come out, and very curious, and he will see what's in there, and he'll put his hand in and grab a fistful of this. Then you got him. You come out with your monkey bopper and bop him on the head. You got yourself a monkey, because the monkey will not let go of what he's got in his hand, even though he can't get his hand out of the narrow neck of the jar. He would prefer to die than to let go of what he has. And when you refuse to uh, to let go, for instance, bitterness and anger, you refuse to let go of your, your anger and, and, and forgive someone, you refuse to let go of your pride, that's the sin against the Spirit. And God can only move in your life when you give God permission to move in your life. I've heard it said the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not move in your life without your permission. And if we say, I don't want you to do anything in my life, God, I'm so angry at this person, I won't forgive them, and I don't care if I go to hell. Well, guess what? You're going to hell. And God, God 
cannot forgive that in a certain sense until you let go. And then he says, you've let go. We'll work on it now. So the sin against the Spirit, no one is permanently, you know, oh, I committed the sin against the Spirit. I remember a girl when I was young, was into, in, she was into witchcraft. And she said, I'm going to hell, so it doesn't matter what I do. I said, you don't, you don't have to go to hell. You can repent. No, I can't. I can't. I've sold my soul to the devil. I can't repent. The devil wants to tell you that, but you can. You can always repent. There is no person who is beyond the possibility of repentance, but certain things must be let go of, like bitterness, like anger, like pride. And, and that's, that's, that's the sin against the Spirit, to refuse to recognize the Spirit moving in your life. So that's not the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to follow. Does that answer your question? You're a wise man, Father. Yeah. I'm not so wise. You should see the way I drive. I'm not that wise at all. Oh, do we have time for one more? Patrick, we only have a few seconds. Oh, no, there's the music in my head. Oh, well. There you go. Oh, don't go anywhere. Drew's coming up, and he is truly wonderfully wise and a really nice guy.